Thank you, everybody who participated in the Crispy K. Maybe next year can be your year if you slept in or your stomach wasn't prepared to consume a dozen donuts from Krispy Kreme. Just be, be training now. Your training starts today for next year. So be ready to, for the next Krispy K. Well, more excitement to come because we are going to invite our dear friends Alan and Kyle up to give us our message for today. So if you would join us in giving them a warm welcome as they come up. I, uh, I just checked with Nick, and I don't think we've had a back-to-back -back donut glutton champion ever because they usually do it and regret it. But Matt has now won two years in a row, so. Dang. How do you feel right now? Surprisingly good. Yeah, I'd hope so. I mean, you didn't really skip breakfast. You had 12 donuts, so you had <laughs> breakfast, but you had two breakfasts, maybe. I guess I said timer. I like this energy this morning. It's kind of like we got a mullet right now. It's kind of chill right up here in the front, and then it's very chaotic in the back. <laughs> we have a congregation mullet going on right now. Yeah, the, the mullet of – there's always a church mullet in some way. There's always some chaos in the back that you don't see. Uh, okay, so we are up here uh, to goof off with you for half an hour. Um, and in some ways, that's true, right? Because we're, we're here to, to land the plane on um, these mission, these spiritual practices, these rhythms of life, and just talk about missional behavior. And when I think about missional behavior, a lot of it really does stem from just having fun. Um, and so I do like to have fun. We, we asked, like, who were the most fun people at our churches? And they asked, like, 10 people in a line of life before they got to me. And then Kyle came up. My team didn't even ask me. Didn't, didn't even come up. Yeah. So, so I just told him to come up here. I just showed up. That's <laughs> what happens when you're on staff. Um, and so we thought, let, we, we got together, we were starting to talk about this. We thought, man, we could do a talk, or we could just talk with each other in front of you. You know, you, we love to listen to podcasts and listen to people talk about things. And so here's what we're going to do, is I've got some questions for us that help guide us as we talk about missional behaviors and evangelism. And if you have questions feel free to toss that hand up. We'd love to talk about it. Um, we'll try to run through those. We'll give some time at the end for you guys for sure for that. But if you got some, think about them. Um, we're going to try to get practical. We'll be a little theoretical as well, kind of like Samuel. Like at the end of the day, it's about abiding with Jesus, right? If, and I, so, can, if I can pull back the yeah. curtain and tell you guys how we <clears throat> actually got behind this or how we actually got to talking about this is Alan and I met for two hours on Thursday to, to plan this talk. And neither one of us are very good at finishing things. And so we just talked about our talk for two hours. And then we got to the end and it's like, well, maybe we should just have a conversation. Yeah. That's how, that's how this went. We didn't get anything really accomplished. So hopefully we do accomplish something here today with you guys. Yeah. Um, the goal, right, I think all this is to spark you and to get you thinking about how do I live missionally? Not just spiritual practices and a rhythm of life that's me and Jesus, but starting to be outwardly focused. How do I bring this to other people? And as I was thinking about this, I was like, all the good stuff, all the little nuggets, the things you share at the bonfire, the things you're staying up late thinking about, the things you want to take home with you, like, that's not just for you. Right? It's for the world. And so oftentimes we feel like, well, the world seems pretty okay. But the reality is, you know, most people... You don't know how they're really doing. You don't know what aches they have, what pains they have, what needs they 
realize they have that they don't know how it's going to be met. And so when we talk about missional behavior, we're starting to engage with people in that and fish for men, to fish for people. And so, Kyle, when you, when you think about this, maybe start here. Specifically, let's talk about, like, evangelism. Why is evangelism a missional behavior? Like, why is this the thing? Versus, like, hey, I'm just going to go do justice work. Not just not that justice work is bad. It's really good. But, like, how do we start with that? Like, why is that important? Yeah. Uh, why is evangelism, why is missional behavior, why, why is living on mission um, important? Well, I think the first one is, uh, like, that's just the last thing that Jesus left with people. He says, go and make disciples. And so I think if it's the last thing he's saying is, is like, uh, it's got to be somewhat important. Um, and he's just sending us all out. And I think, like, with all of these things, I, I, I was, um, Alan just asked me this morning. He's like, yeah, well, like, what like, what do you think of the talks? Like, do you think, like, has him, like did, have you, like, enjoyed them? And he's like, yeah, I think this has been very good. And, and I was kind of thinking, I was like, what, are our, what, are, what is everybody going to take away from this? And I think this idea that we have... Um, it's just like, how do we make minute shifts? You know, we don't have to make big, broad, sweeping shifts in our life um, in order to, to I think, to um, connect with the Lord. And, and I think evangelism, I think being missional, I think sharing the gospel with people um, by nature is, is similar to that. Is, is that the more that we share the good news, the more that that good news, like, I don't know if you guys have gone out like, man, whenever you kind of get in that mode of like just encouraging people, it's like I start to feel encouraged myself. I start to feel like, man, like God is really here with me right now. And, um, and so I think that is just like a, a big thing that I think can be uh, at least an aspect of, um, of, uh, of being missional is like, yeah, like I'm connecting with God and I'm connecting God um, with that person in front of me. Yeah. In that sense, I, th- I think it is a spiritual discipline, right? It is a practice that, like, when we practice solitude, that helps us connect to God in some ways. Um, Samuel mentioned the packet. There are certain benefits that come to some of these disciplines or things they call out on us. When you think about what evangelism does, sharing the gospel with people, what does that do to you? Like, what does it call out in you? Uh, I think it regularly calls out, like, do I believe this? Yeah. Um, I think I have to, like, whenever I ask, people that question are, are, I think a big question I ask like in that is, is like, um, what, what holds you back from believing that this is true? Uh, that's like a, often like I have a couple friends that I hang out with fairly regularly that, that don't know the Lord. And it's like, yeah, what, what holds you back? And I think that also like peels back in my heart, like what holds me back from believing that, that God is real, that God is true, that God is Lord over my life. And I think it allows me to check, not the fact that like I don't believe um, in God or that I don't believe that, that Jesus died for my sins, but it's like, we all have those doubts. I think, um, Sam will even talk maybe, maybe yesterday morning about doubts and kind of leaning into that, that you're in good company. And so I think, um, it's able for me to really check my heart as well as, um, engaging with, um, my friends in that. I love that. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it presses on my doubts. Like some of my best moments in ministry, most exciting moments in ministry are when I get to share the gospel. Like, it's fun when somebody gets a spiritual principle or, you know, kills a sin in their life. But, like, um, like when I when I drive home from a gospel appointment, that's when I want to shout, like, Han Solo, destroy the Death Star. Like, it's just a blast. Um, so evangelism is something we want, you, we want you to do. Like, whatever tool you have, we're not going to talk about tools here today. But, like, in general, I think your story and some sort of tool are a great starting point um, to have in your tool belt. But, like, at the end of the day, you have to know people to share the gospel with. 
Uh, and, and Kyle, when I think about you, I actually think you're always talking about somebody you're with who's not a believer. Um, and so how do you get to the point in a way that makes you live that way? Like to want to share the gospel, to do evangelism, and to know people who don't know Jesus. Yeah, uh, we, this is like kind of the foundational piece um, whenever Alan and I started talking. And I think if there's like one thing that I would have you guys take away from, I think, I don't, Mike, um, one of our pastors has been like talking with me a lot about how do I tell people like, I don't, I don't really come off as like I'm very strategic or I'm very forward thinking. Um, I do think a lot. I do. Um, and so like I think with people specifically, I'm always thinking about people. I'm always thinking about um, who are my friends, who are, who are people I'm around, how can I connect with people, how can I care for people, how can I um, do this. So I think that's like the first thing is, is like I'm just always thinking about people. Are we, are we thinking about other people? I think it's very easy to get kind of caught up in our life and doing um, all these different things. And so you uh, and I know you guys are doing huddles. Um, Cornerstone is starting huddles. We have different shapes. Um, and so one of these shapes that, that we do that I really like, I don't, I don't know how much I like. The shape is fine. Um, but, like, the truth behind it, I think that's the great thing with shapes is the truth behind it is what makes the shapes amazing. And um, so we have this one that's called the Missional Living Wheel. And the, just the first question right on the basis is, is like, it's supposed to um, address, like, and we ask these questions is, like, how are you viewing people as scenery, machinery, or ministry. We've kind of been throwing around the word worthy. I kind of like worthy a little bit more. Ministry kind of makes it feel like a job. Um, but scenery or machinery uh, is big ones. And, and so I think there's this way um, uh, my friend over here is wondering if I'm going to talk about her. So I might. Um, so the first one is, is like scenery is like, man, like I think Samuel talks is like how often do we just like throw our AirPods in, throw our headphones in? Um, we're just looking at our phone. We're just going through like the motions. We don't really want to see people. We don't want to engage people. Like scenery is just this idea is that people are just there. I think if we look at Jesus, like what does Jesus do? Jesus is constantly looking at people. He's constantly seeing people. Um, he's like looking past their circumstances. He's looking past uh, maybe how they're dressed, how they look, the people that they're with. And he really sees them as individuals. Um, I think of like Zacchaeus. I think that's a very one is that he, he sees Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus wants to see him. Um, the woman at the well is like Jesus sees her where she's at. Um, there's like just story after story after story of I think the disciples or the Pharisees or somebody ignoring a group of people and Jesus going out of his way to see them. And so that, I think that's one thing is that I think we just can move through our life and we just miss that people are there. Uh, the other one is machinery. And machinery, I think, is just, um, I think a way that I could describe that is, is like it's just um, looking at people as objects, um, as objects to, to um, I think, further our, like, our endeavors. Whatever we want to get, like, we kind of use people. And so I think one way is, is like, community. Um, at Cornerstone, we say um, all about, like, like our corners, um, our, our, uh, our vision statement behind it is, is to build deep relationships, center on Jesus to bring life transformation. I believe that to be true. I think you guys have something like that. This with like four. Yeah, something, I don't know. something like that. This guy's got a shirt about it. Um, I had about it. It's 
I think we all believe that. Some parts of community is, is like, I just want friends because I, because I feel insecure. I want people to like me. If that's our sole thing of like building relationships is, is like, that's a me focus. That's not a them focus. I think like with like this life of, um, of like marketing, I think this life of like, um, like furthering the chain uh, is, is that like we just can use people for whatever we want. Um, I will share this story just because I thought it was very funny. On Friday night, uh, my friend Benita was over here, and uh, she was just talking. Like, she had no idea this is what we were talking about this weekend. She's just talking. She's wearing this outfit, and she kind of talks about this uh, marketing thing that she went through. She's Or networking thing. She's trying to network with these people. And uh, she, uh, she wore a golf outfit. She's never golfed before. It was some golf networking thing. She's never golfed before. And somebody told her to look up these two movies, Caddyshack and Happy Gilmore. Again, she, Obviously. she's not from the United States. She's never seen these movies. She doesn't know anything about them. She looked up like three facts with them. She just kind of said it. And then her words were, they ate it up. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm not saying is that she was being sinister in that. But that is how we move through spaces is, is that we want something so we act a certain way so people give us what we want. I, like, and I think that can happen with the gospel is, is that we do it because we think we have to. We do it because we think God is going to somehow um, give us good gifts because we share the gospel. We share the gospel because our leaders praise us for sharing the gospel. They say, like, oh, good job. Like, do we, I'm not saying that any of those things are bad, but if that, I think that's like whenever we worship is, is like, if, if, that, if those things are what we worship, is like we're not worshiping God. We are worshiping the act in which we get praise. Whenever we get what we want, we want praise, we want attention, we want money, we want X, Y, or Z, we want satisfaction. Like we look for all of those things, and um, and uh, I think we just missed the mark. And so, so I think the last one is is worthy, or ministry. That like, man, people are worth it. People are valuable. That people are innately valuable because God says that they are valuable. And so, how does that change? our ministry, how does that change our lives whenever we look at people as valuable and not as objects or not as part of the scenery or um, we go a step <coughs> beyond that? We aren't sharing the gospel. We aren't, we aren't doing those things because of any, anything other than, man, God says that they are worthy. God says that they are valuable. And so I care about that person. Yeah. Come on, man. I know, I just talked for a long time. No, it's good. It's so good. I feel like, so in oral tradition, you have to repeat things for people to get it. So I'm going to say it in a different way. Scenery, just now, I was thinking about this one. I was like, most of your interactions with people are asynchronous video. You're watching somebody on YouTube. I mean, you're watching a short, and you have no opportunity to interact with them. Scenery. Most of your interactions end up being scenery-oriented. That's our culture. That's how we act. And so why wouldn't we start to treat people that way? We are formed by the culture we're in. And so rhythms of life are set to shape different culture and form us in different ways. So you are shaped hours a day by watching people do things. Scenery. It's not a complete judgment. It's really helpful. I use YouTube to help me fix my car and do things all the time. But when our lives are oriented around that, people naturally become scenery to us. And we're in school, every relationship is taught to be a networking-oriented relationship. How do I get what I need to for this grade? How do I get what I need to for that job? I was talking to, to Charles, and I was talking about, like, college has been reduced from, like, life transformation time to, like, and he said, he's like, it's just play the game to get the degree to get the job time. 
And so every person you interact with becomes, and the grad students are amening this, uh, it has become all machinery. And so when we look at how we live our lives, most of your life is lived naturally and shaped by our culture as people are scenery or machinery. And so it requires a major shift to start to think of people as worthy of the same things that you're encountering with God, as real people with real souls who need their Savior. And I, I love that word, worthy, because I think that's where, where my mind goes. I'm like, they are worthy of my time. They're worthy of me slowing down. They are more worthy than that calc problem. They are more worthy than that paper. They are worthy of my time. Uh, because they matter, because they're God's creation. Yeah, I, th- I, I think I, I, just like a story that, that makes me think of that. Um, I don't know if you guys know this. I probably don't look at I'm 33 years old. Uh, and I would have guessed 32. What? I would have guessed 32. 32. Dang, man. I'm th- I like that. I am, I mean, I'm in the prime. I'm thriving right now. Um, I, have, uh, I have this really good friend. Some of you guys know him. His name is Garrett. Some people call him Garrett the Parrot. Um, so Garrett is 20. I met him when he was 18. He just told me, hey, I met up with him. Um, he filled out a survey, and he's like, I have no interest uh, right now in coming to church things, but I like hanging out with you. Um, so now he is 20. It's like, what do I have in common with this kid that is 13 years younger than me that wants nothing to do with church right now? We hang out um, probably every two or three weeks. We just get lunch, and we just catch up um, on life, and we just hang out. Um, I, uh, I pray for Garrett all the time. I'm just getting emotional. It's like, my heart for him isn't that I want a friend. I don't need a 20-year-old friend, you know. I don't need a friend that is 13 years younger than me. I want to be friends with you if you're 20. Don't worry, young guys. Young guys, shake your head. I, don't, I still want to be friends with you. Um, what? If you're 32, I want to be friends with you. I want to be friends with everybody, guys, okay. I, I like having friends. What I'm saying is, is that I don't need a 20-year-old friend. What I want is, is I want Garrett to accept the gospel. I want to see Garrett in heaven. My, uh, John Drake used to always ask, like, I want to see this person in heaven. Like, that is why I hang out with Garrett is, is that I enjoy spending time with him. But more than I enjoy spending time with him is that I want to enjoy spending time with him in heaven. Like, I want to see Garrett redeemed. You know, I think, and that's what I want you guys to see is, is like, man, if we start to, we start to, to tilt our, our hearts more is like, man, people are worthy because God says that they're valuable. God says that. And so it's like, if God cares about that person, shouldn't we care about that person? Shouldn't we go beyond that? Now, that's not everybody. Like, like uh, Samuel says, like, we can only have like 150 connections. Sometimes I feel like maybe I have more than that, but I doubt it. Um, just because I really want to have more than 150 friends. But how many people are in here? I got like at least 100. Um, but yeah, I think it's just really, um, really just seeing people and I think leaning into that. Yeah. So some of this stuff, it got, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, Scott, maybe we can move on to some of the barriers here. Like it feels like theoretical. It feels like, yeah, I'm supposed to love people. Like it will come up when that next interaction with somebody who wasn't at the retreat, somebody in your classes who's not a believer, somebody in that RSO, that student group, that whatever you're part of, that's not a believer. How do you interact with them? Uh, my guess is you probably still do some, like, uh, interactions that are machinery-oriented just because that's your norm and what you're used to. My hope is that if you love these people, you'd feel the freedom to love them. 
sometimes that's a that's a barrier for us too, as we think, well, I'm supposed to love the church, but they're in the world, so I gotta like be distant from these people. Uh, and I love that you said that about Garrett. Like, no, you love him and you want to see him in heaven. Uh, and I think that is the attitude I want to have with. Um, I wish I had had better with my classmates uh, and coworkers at jobs that were not ministry oriented. I wasn't. They weren't all believers. Like, I want that for ministry too. But um, <clears throat> so let's talk about barriers. Like, and we can do this one pretty quick. Like. The ideal is out there. What are the barriers that make it hard? A lot of barriers. Uh, looking awkward, looking uncomfortable. Um, what if they say no? What if they think I'm weird? Uh, a lot of people, I think, already think that I'm weird. I do think I have just this barrier of, like, what do people think a 30-year-old is doing on campus? Um, it's not very – it's kind of hard to hide. Uh, I think I can actually hide kind of easy. I don't think that I look 30. Um but um, I think people know, like, why I'm out there uh, once they figure out how old I am. Um, I think for you guys, it's like, man, I, like, I shoot my shot. Let's say I ask this person to come to church. I have to go to, I have to go to, I got to go to class with this person. I got to see this person in class every day. It's like, okay, this is kind of uncomfortable. Um, or if I see them at the gym or if I see them on campus, um, what are they going to think? I think there's, like, an idea um, I want to keep my two worlds uh, distinct. I want to have my church world. I want to have um, my school world. I don't want those to mesh. Um, I don't know. I think there's probably, I, yeah, a lot of barriers, but those are just some. Yeah, I think those are great. I was, I was thinking about another one. I was like, do I really love the person? Do I want them to be my friend? <laughs> like, there are people in my life who I think I want to know Jesus, but I'm like, I got my capacity. I hit my 150 or whatever it is. Like, uh, what's beautiful <laughs> what's beautiful about the church, right, is like we don't have to do that alone. Um, when Jesus uh, calls the disciples to be fishers of men, I bet you instantly go to Mike Clunky. Like uh, going out, fly fishing by yourself in the mountains, catching some beautiful trout. Are they trout? Great, okay. Uh, the concept of fishing in Galilee was taking boat out with some friends and you use a net. And you can't pull a net in without friends. You need people to do that together. Unless you've got no fish. If you have no fish. Unless you have no fish, I yeah. can pull that net in. Maybe. Yeah, you can. He's good. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> and so I think about, like, including people. Like, so maybe going past those barriers, you said the circles. Like, I had somebody show us once, like, Venn diagram your circles is one of the best ways to be missional. Um, so you don't do it alone. Like, oftentimes, I think the expectation is to be the person in that sphere to influence it. Like, if you hear us saying here, like, go go be missional, the thought is, well, you have to go do this myself. I'm the only person in Ret 105 who can do it. Uh, but maybe there are other people. Maybe the people you want to go with you. Maybe you want to take Kyle with you to hang out with those people. Um, he's free. He's not doing anything. Amen. Amen. Uh, but seriously, there are people to Venn diagram circles alongside. And I think in one of the ways that, one of the things that benefits is it helps you live an authentic life everywhere, right? So these mission, these behaviors, these rhythms of life are easy when you're with your Christian friends and your church people. It's harder when you're in another sphere, but it gets easier when those spheres get crossed over each other. Uh, and I think also community is one of the most compelling missional tools I have. Um, so when people see Christian community, they're compelled by it, right? And community's not the goal. Like, it's everybody's goal is community. You know, from the um, 
engineers that build car solar cars to whatever you guys do at Corner or Illinois State. Um, those car man, those solar car people are like nerdy. Paintings, art projects. Art projects, yeah. Um, it's everybody's trying to do community. So that's like that's not the special thing in our culture anymore. But authentic, real community where like we see each other as God sees one of us is really powerful. And so I think it's a fantastic apologetic for the church, for the gospel, but it's also a great way to be missional. Let's talk about what, what are other ways you see um, breaking through those barriers, things that help you shape missional behaviors in a heart. Yeah, I think, like, I think we go out of our way to, like, learn tools to use to share the gospel. You know, we have the three circles. We have the bridge diagram. We have Romans Road was cool a while ago. Um, you know, Ephesians, like the four word pictures. Uh, I'm sure there's other ones that like I have not used. Um, and I, I know these things. I think it's good to have verses. I think it's good to have pictures. Um, but I, I, again, I think if we aren't cultivating a heart for people, then those tools are just going to fall on deaf ears. I think you all can sniff out if somebody's being disingenuous. If somebody doesn't really care to be there, they're just going through the motions. Like, you guys can tell. You guys can tell when somebody's just, you know, working you, or you can tell whenever somebody's wasting your time. Um, so, yeah, but I think the first thing is that I, I have, like, either sometimes I have a physical list. Other times I have a mental list that I'm just praying through. I'm just thinking about these people, um, and I'm just praying for them. You know, I think we have, uh, um, you know, Chris and Sarah, I think, have, like, a, an alarm that goes off, 1002, um, pray for the laborers, um, praying for more laborers. And I think similarly, it's like, what if we have, like, an alarm that's like, I'm just going to pray um, for these people in my life. Um, I think, what does it look like to just talk to people? I, um, I go, sometimes begrudgingly, I go to Coffee Hound all the time. Um, I'm getting coffee. I'm talking to the baristas. I know their names. They know my name. They're talking to me. Um, what do I have in common with a 20-year-old girl, even less than a 20-year-old guy? Um, and so I ask them to come hang out in community. Um, I say, hey, do you want to come to this event? And uh, they never come, but that's fine um, because I'm just trying to build a relationship with them. And so I think that is like, yeah, what a praying about people, I think thinking about people. Um, yeah, what's up? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Thank you, Connor. Um, it's almost like you were reading my mind. I appreciate you. That's a, like a great point. I think that is like the the way that we can have kind of like um, like a church machinery mindset is is that that person is only good if they show up. That person is only good to me if they come to the event, if they say yes to my ask, if they are a number in a seat. Um, I think everybody, you know, is like, man, if, if people are coming to my small group, that means our small group is better. Or, man, like, I feel better when more people show up on a Sunday morning. But, yeah, people are not just an invite or an ask or a number. It's like, if they say no, 
that relationship is not ended. You just keep going. Now, it might be, they might never come to anything, and that's fine. Um, is yeah, you just got to keep shooting your shot. So, great point, Connor. Thanks. It was years ago, but um, there's a barista at one of the coffee shops in uh, Champaign. Uh, he and I got built a relationship. He came on a mission trip with us. Um, was this close to accepting Jesus on it? He didn't end up doing so. We've lost touch. But like, it's amazing what happens when you just invite people and build those relationships. Like, um, one one other like way I think getting past the barriers, and this one is gonna sound. I don't know if it's going to sound spicy or not, but a barrier to missional behavior is the church. Uh, and what I mean by that is as you start as a freshman, you have a large number of friends that are not Christian. But as you go over the course of your college career and the rest of your life, that circle without intentionality will shrink because you'll start to know more Christian people. Or you'll go to crew on Monday night and corner on Tuesday and then you're going to go to IV on Wednesday. So let me just encourage you. One, today, within this next month, decide on a community that you're a part of. Don't You don't need to be a part of every Christian community. It doesn't benefit you, and it doesn't benefit them, honestly. Like, it's great to have those relationships and, like, friendships, and if you're looking to date somebody and there's nobody in Cornerstone, you just, like, I mean, you got to go. To, I, I'm just kidding, guys. Uh, <clears throat> what is it? Kyle's all about it. Uh, but seriously, what happens is we start to, like, do every Christian thing we can possibly think of. And what we miss is that being missional is a Christian thing. Uh, walking with people who don't know Jesus, walking with people who are unsure about their status with God, that is what Jesus did. And so if we want to be like Jesus, we need to start living and thinking that way. And so you have circles that you are part of. Don't lose them. Don't lose that study group where you're stressed out together. Don't lose that crew that goes and plays basketball. In fact, think about Venn diagramming those circles instead of replacing those circles. Um, it'd be so easy to be like, well, now I play basketball with my church friends. Why don't you play basketball with both circles? Is this making sense? So, like, if you're, like, thinking about ministries, and sometimes I don't care. Don't pick a line of life. That's fine. I like, I like you guys. I'd like you to be a part of what we're doing. But, like, pick somewhere and grow roots. The way I think about it is we've grown tomatoes in our backyard for the past few years. Um, we started with tomatoes in pots. Um, and they were great. You can move them around. You can get them to the sunlight. You can get them where they need to be at any time for water or sun. But they did not produce fruit. They didn't have the space to grow roots. They didn't have space to collect the nutrients that the ground offered. But when they were planted, when they were firmly planted somewhere, I, I'm still getting tomatoes. I think I grabbed a dozen before we left for the retreat. When we're planted somewhere firmly, that allows us to be more missional because we have more security in where we're at. Um, and it allows those rejections to just keep coming and be like, no, I still got friends um, in the church. I still got people who I know love me. Even this person I want to love isn't loving me back. Um, I know we got, we're like almost out of time. We are, we are out of time, but I'm curious, like, are there any questions you guys have that are come up as you guys are thinking about this? Agreed. Agreed, yeah. Please, I, yes.
Thanks, Mike. Yeah, if you guys have um, thoughts or um, that you just are like, man, I just want help thinking through people. I know um, Alan and I would love uh, to meet with you. I think just I wanted to leave you guys with a story. Um, and so, like, one of our how do we get practice, um, uh, Alan wrote on here, like, who are, three, who are three people that you want to be praying for and seeking opportunities to share with this week? Um, or just in general, share with. Um, that, that we used to do this at LT all the time, um, Colorado LT. Um, John Drake, he would ask that question um, the first week to everybody. He's like, who are three people that you want to be praying about sharing the gospel with? And uh, my friend wrote my name down. Uh, we, I, was a, uh, I had just finished my freshman year at Mizzou. My friend went to LT. Um, his name was Joey, or his name is Joey. Joey didn't invite me to anything my entire, uh, our entire freshman year. Um, we hung out, we played things, but he never invited anything. He started praying for me that summer, and God was just doing a work in my life. God was just kind of removing um, all of these idols that I had in my life, and he had no idea what God was doing. Joey didn't. He spent that whole summer praying for me. We get back to school, and um, he just starts asking me to hang out. He starts inviting me to things. And um, my heart was just in a place, in just a right place to, um, to I think, really just receive um, the gospel and have that take root in my life. And I think a lot of that is just my friend praying for me that summer. That I believe that, that in that, that whenever he is doing that, God is interceding in my life. I don't know what God is going to do, but I believe that whenever we pray that God is going to answer in some way. And so that's my that's my plug is just please at the very least pray for people. I think that's great. If you're wondering who it should be, I want to point you back to the packet you got from Samuel. Um, he gave you that relational map, that section. Uh, there's a box there for people that don't know Jesus. There's also a box there for people you have strained relationships with. These are people who I would invite you to really genuinely be praying for and seeking opportunities to either be reconciled to or to have them have opportunities to hear about, the, about Jesus. Um, you are not going to be perfect at it, but my hope is that over the course of this next month and this semester, you take those little next steps. Um, it is such a joy um, when somebody comes and tells me they share the gospel with somebody. Is, is absolutely amazing. Um, one of our new staff, Peter, um, he talked about a two-hour conversation he had with Alejandro, um, who had every question in the book. And Peter stuck in there. And, like, I didn't see just a guy who was excited to engage intellectually. I saw Peter, like, I saw your heart for this guy. And I thought, that's what we want to be. Um, to have the time for people, to let it linger, um, and to engage in the gospel with them. So with that, I'm going to pray. Um, band, you guys can come on up. We're going to worship in light of all that. And my hope is that your song, your singing would be in light of that um, this morning. So uh, would you guys join me in prayer? Uh, king Jesus, I thank you that you are king of everything, whether or not we realize it. Um, you, are Lord, you are Lord to all, and God, I pray that people would allow you to be Lord of all. God, I ask that you would be moving in each of us, and I pray that there would be something, some missional behavior to pray for someone, to invite someone, to stick in a community that would be compelling us uh, as we go forward from this retreat. God, I pray that we be people who live 
upwardly towards you, um, inwardly towards ourselves and to our community, and outwardly on mission um, in every way. God, I thank you for this retreat, and I pray you'd be with us as we worship you. Amen.